0: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip
1: to Luckyland. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to Luckylandslots.com to play over a hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at Luckylandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions supply. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra The weekend preview show is finally back after two weeks of interminable international football And that's not easy to say as I've just demonstrated Joining me tonight to preview the upcoming match against Hamilton Aquis is Alex Staff
1: Hi David, how are you doing?
0: I'm good mate Is it just me or in life they tell you that with more experience things become easier to handle But I'm not finding that with these international breaks I have to be honest
1: I don't know if it's just me. It feels as though there's been more of them this it season does, doesn't than, it? than any other. And that, and that may just be the playoffs thrown in, but I'm sure there's usually something in this thing. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because there's been so much happening with we, Rangers that we've wanted to get things moving along and these breaks seem to have stopped us every five minutes.
0: They, I would totally agree with that. I feel that we've not been able to, but well, for circumstances of our own creation as well, let's be honest, but we've never really been able to just get a run going with no interruptions there always seems to have been something in the way and uh, international football I suppose is great if you're involved in it and you're a huge fan in international football but I think the dominance of club football and we can argue whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing but I think we would all agree that it it is a thing and for most fans I I think that these two weeks are just let's get through this and then we can get back into a routine and I think that's us till March though now so I think we do have a bit of a break yes Thankfully. Certainly,
1: that way. When you consider there's only what in Europe anyway, eight teams with um, competitive games. Yeah, you know, you just have to look at that England squad and the amount of top players who just decided, I can't be bothered with that. No, uh, and the quality of the two on.
0: matches. The quality of two matches was appalling. Great on paper, yeah. but I mean, un- unwatchable draws.
1: Exactly, and if the players aren't interested, then you're never going to get the fans interested. So, you know, that's that, that's the biggest issue with these ones. And, the, the, I mean, I know there was talk in the past of turning the qualifiers into like a, almost like a tournament. No, I don't know if it be summer tournament or the likes, but I actually think that would probably work better than what we're dragging ourselves through just now.
0: Yeah, I would be intrigued by that notion of, you know, just doing it in a, in a kind of a six-week block sort of thing. Um, I I can I can see that being something that that would spark more interest, but uh, but we've got our team back and and it's great and and stuff has been happening, so we'll start off uh, with with the match itself. Now the we, uh, we did play a, a competitive match and I think it turned out to be quite a competitive match uh, in a uh, in a testimonial for Berwick Rangers Stephen Notman, and uh, I was I was great with us until I found out he was ex Hibbs. <laughs> And then, yeah, uh, yeah so like what we do. But that big evil Rangers again, you know, with our so yeah, ability to turn up and bring fans, what are we like? Terrible,
1: terrible. Uh-huh. We should uh, should really take a long,
0: hard look at ourselves in the mirror and, <laughs> and wonder just what we're doing. You know, but it is, it's, it's, it's such an odd thing with these clubs. See, I always found Wraith Rovers. I remember when they were really struggling financially and we sent down, uh, under Advocate, we sent a team there. And our reward for that years later is for them to be one of the loudest and most petty. Uh, of the clubs Trying to put the boot in But that's for another day But we went with A, a reasonably strong side uh, Of guys That I think Would be considered uh, If not first teamers But on the fringes Of the first team squad um, Lee Hodson, David Bates Dalcio Eduardo Herrera And Aaron Neman All played And also a return For his first match Since uh, having his nose broken For Fabio Cardoso Rangers won the match 4-0 Goals from Dalcio Neman Attakai, And Thompson so, uh, yeah, it sounds like a good workout, I have to admit, I, I didn't get to it, Beric being a bit of an arseic to get to on a Wednesday night, but from what I saw uh, on the official channels, it looked a, a more than useful exercise considering it was a testimonial. Yeah, those games are normally just a kick about. I was almost
1: expecting Notman to, to come out in a angel strip for the last 20 minutes. And <laughs> um, that's normally the way those sort of games go. So you're right. Um, for a, a Wednesday night testimonial, it does seem as though we've taken it quite seriously. Um, and that in terms of of seen Beric pretty much do the same. So uh, hopefully a good workout for for a few of the players who maybe
0: haven't had much game time recently. Well, the, the ones that interested me are Dalcio and the man, both of whom have had limited game time. And I think, us being Rangers fans, a few people have made up their mind already. And Dalcio wasn't great when we saw him, but it was, you know, early appearances. I do, though, I, I must admit that I'm not one of these who, or I try not to be one of these who, a, a player becomes better by us not seeing him. Um, I, I, I do always think that, There's no way a manager, especially a manager who's struggling like Pedro was, has some superstar in training that he's just, for some unknown reason, not picking. But against that, we could do with options in the areas that Dalcio and the man play in. So it's a kind of catch-22. Are they doing enough in training to get into the team? Or is it a case of that... You know, we've signed them on on unbreakable contracts, and we're almost sort of lumbered with them for a year. Um, are, are these guys that we could hope might make an in, an impact now that it's been a wee while and they're settled in, or is it the the ship has sailed?
1: Um, I think. I mean, the man is only on loan until January, um, and seemed to be a bit of a punt by by Mark Allen in many ways. You know, somebody that he'd, he'd known from the academy down there, bring him up, see how he does. Um, I don't like that I don't want to write him off on very little like you, like you say but difficult to see because he's only here alone until January that he's going to make much of an impact Delcio, um when when the fans are starting to to pretty much laugh and cheer when you come on the pitch and get a touch of the ball then it's not a good sign that no, you're ever going to get anywhere is it I mean that's Salim uh, Kirk are uh, SIBO levels of, of kind of cult status now Um he, if you consider they're up against essentially Windas and Condes. yeah. Um, and if Wondas could finish a ball, he'd be one of your best players this season. and Candace is clearly one of our best players this season. So you know, in many ways, they've not really had much of a chance because those two are performing pretty well in many in many respects. Imagine I'll get a bad reaction for saying that
0: about Windass, mind you. Uh, I'm just trying to get my eyebrows back down now uh, <laughs> after after they shot up in shock. I mean, I would agree with you on Candias. I I can't agree with you on on Windass. I think uh, I think there has been improvement the last couple of weeks, and in fact, at this at this point is probably the the closest he's come to cementing his place in the side. But up to that, I thought his form had been patchy at best.
1: I, mean, I actually agreed with what he said I think um, the the judgment of his, his form is very much tainted by all the chances that he's missing, now I'm not you know, defending that, that is poor um, some of those chances were absolute sitters, you know kind of reminding us of the, the bad dog days when, when Thomas Bufell decided that he was never going to score a goal for Le Guin, but it, he's still, he's, he's contributing he, he still seems to be one of the main men in the pitch for us going forward and you know, I feel as though maybe maybe sometimes we're we just a little bit harsh because it cost us essentially a, a couple of results through through his misses and his cells.
0: You know. Mm. Um, at the end of the at the end of the show today, folks, when we give out the the Twitter addresses, send your hate tweets to Alex about that because people <laughs> yes, people yeah. people tend right. yeah people tend to listen to stuff on the pod and, and they, they they come to me with it and say I can't believe and I'm like well I didn't say it so so no way I don't edit out when they say things like that so you know well, that, let me temper it just
1: by saying that I do understand why people are complaining about him I just think that right now in that position because we never seeing Jamie Walker. He's doing more than anybody else could have done, and will probably retain the position even when Lee Wallace comes back. Uh, a lot of people think Declan John's is just going to step forward. I'm not convinced.
0: No, no, neither am I. I think that that is. Uh, I think is worth trying if if they feel that he can do that, because I know that he, he did play some sometimes there for Cardiff. But it's not the automatic thing that some people seem to think it is, that if you push uh, an attacking full-back forward, the better. And the best example I can think of that, actually, is Danny Alves, who at the time, I'd say, is probably the best right-back in the world. And Barca would shove him into midfield, and he was awful. And, you know, they, they almost immediately put him back to right-back. So, uh, I, for some players, it, it's something they can do. For other players, uh, I remember Lee Wallace, in fact, um, under Ali, when he would he would put him in front of Sasa Papach and it just, just did not work at all and, and he looked like a fish out of water. Uh, because if you've played in a position for a number of years and you've learned how to do it and a lot of it a lot of football in general is is it comes naturally. Uh it must be very difficult to then be put into a new position and just thrust in and expected to be good.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of I think a lot of people just trying to forget what makes that player effective going forward. The further forward you play, the more often you've got your back to the opposing goal. So, you know, a full-back very rarely has to do that. They're always facing forward and they're always able to get that run. They're able to get the pace going. You know, you see it with Tavernier and Wallace all the time. um, And they're playing, Declan John does that as well. It's a very different thing when you're playing midfield and you're having to go short to go and get the ball and start from there than it is when you're running from full-back, to be the option, mm. you know, um, and, it, and that's what makes those players effective, and the minute you step them forward, you take that big element out, and they then need to start having a bit of guile, and a, a, a bit better strength on the ball, with a bag to goal, and things like that, and mm. that, that really isn't their game at all, at full back, and as you say, when you've played there for years, and then you're asked to do something completely different, unless, you've, uh, unless you're have unless you a top player, it's really not easy.
0: The coming from deep thing, uh, I remember Gordon Jury. Uh, whose who's Rangers career was was decent, but he 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 done really well in England. Uh, and part of it is, it was that Gordon Jury, uh, at his peak, one of his one of his big strength is he was fantastically powerful, uh, running with the ball, but he he kind of had to get a a a head of steam up, and when he was playing down south at the time, Chelsea weren't what they are now. Spurs were very Spursy, uh, and at Hibs before that. They they could play uh, guys on the halfway line because teams would push up against them and of course at Ibrox especially back then, teams never did. So instead of having that extra maybe 20 yards to build up that head of steam... He was having to start much further forward, and I think it—I think it did dim his effectiveness. And mm-hmm. it, that is just, a, as you say, a question of where you're you're starting, what you do on the pitch. I mean, Tavernier's effectiveness comes from these big driving runs from a certain position, and if you push him up twenty yards further forward, the idea that they will automatically just be the same but further forward—I don't—I don't believe is always the case. It Does, definitely
1: doesn't work like that, and I think um, there's actually a player that we forgotten about and certainly uh, Scott never wanted to think about is uh, Mr Michael O'Halloran who suffered exactly from that very thing where regardless of where he played for us in a more forward position he no longer was up against teams who would give him space to run into and let him get you know facing the opposing goal and that's why quite often he looked you know Pretty ineffective for us As compared to how
0: he Seems to do at St Johnson Yep. No I totally agree And it's uh, I I thought uh, And I mentioned on the pod Now This is before we go into the whole Some players can't play At bigger clubs And it it, it Just as a fact Some players can't handle The the, the, You you know You see it all the time In England They go to A top six side And and they're very poor But then they return to a, A slightly lower club And they're The main man Um. And I I wonder if O'Halloran is that. So if that's part of his psychological makeup, there's nothing that can be done for him. But in terms of what he has in attacking attribute, I always felt that it might have been worth trying to make him into a striker, because you know again if you just those little sharp bursts of pace over three four yards, and especially if we had somebody who could play the ball through to him, I always wondered if it was worth doing that. But it wasn't something that that was ever tried under Warburton. I can remember <clears> anyway.
1: I think he played one game up front against Rafe Rovers away from home I, I think That that rings a bell And I don't even know if he started the game I don't know if he came on
0: um, oh,
1: i, know the, saying I Rafe know Rafe one. saying
0: was Rovers may game... have been or something. No, like no, that. no, I think I you're right, remember. we won 1-0 uh, Andy Halliday scored uh, I, th- I think you're right, he came on as a sub that night uh, I'm pretty sure If we're wrong, the people on Twitter will no doubt uh, let us know yeah. But um, yeah. by that stage we've seen him once <laughs> Do you know, funny,
1: you are saying play him as a striker um, I actually think he may have been more effective
0: for Rangers as a right back. Interesting. Uh, uh, well, I mean, he's he done that, it in
1: pre-season a bit, and yeah. he seemed to do quite well. And it's, as I say, it's just about getting him facing the game all the time. You know, it's a thing that's uh, happening
0: more and more. Ashley Young being a, a case in point. I mean, when he first got put to right, but or uh, Valencia uh, at Man United, yeah. who's, who's now their captain. I remember when they when he first got tried there. I was what. But it was exactly for that reason that they were like, this is a great, powerful runner with the ball, and if we can teach him how to tackle it or get a centre-half that can cover him, then we'll have a weapon. And he has been uh, several games for United. He's been one of their key attackers. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's just one of those things with certain players. if If you're in the side that's going to dominate possession, if you're in the attacking team, your defensive strengths aren't really... big issue anymore managers will be pretty confident they can teach someone how to defend but it's very difficult to teach someone how to be that good on a ball running at people you know that that takes a certain takes a certain amount of uh genetics and 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 kind of strength and breeding and stuff like that sounding like gordon stracking now but (laughs) um but it does it takes you know it's, it's much more difficult to teach that than it is to teach someone okay here's how you stand when you're facing up to a winger Here's how you block. You know, here's your positioning. If you if the ball's the other side of the pitch, you can teach that a bit more than you can the other stuff. So I think that's why you see that more now. And as you said, Valencia is actually a really good example of that. And see, if you want to go back way back, well, we say way back. If you want to go back further, um, as much as we don't like to mention them, Celtic so done exactly that. We did here gap. And yeah, um, he wasn't a great player, but he certainly done a job for them over yeah, the years. Right. And he was a striker when they first signed him and all of a sudden he was a right wing back under O'Neill. Yeah. Um, and it was, pace, uh,
0: it was pace and ability to run with the ball no, That's a very good point and, and it is something that I think has been seen more and more But uh, he won't be available obviously Because he's on loan no. um, for, for Saturday But I don't foresee a lot of changes Now I would say that we've played Hamilton obviously recently and we won 4-1. A a very good performance from Rangers after a very, very shoddy start. At a time when confidence was really low, we gave away a a really silly goal in the opening minute and I I think a lot of us thought, here we go. But then um, Declan John got us back in with two goals and even a sending off uh, of Ryan Jack, the one he's deserved, the only one he's deserved. So so the only red card that he's had actually... um, we I still thought we looked like the better side up until the last 15 minutes where we allowed Hamilton a couple of chances. But, you know, uh, they missed a penalty. But um, by that, the game was done and everybody knew it. What I would say, Alex, is that uh, although Rangers... Uh, I think Rangers' best performance this season so far has been the... Uh, the last hour, if you like The second half and the 15 minutes before it At Murrayfield And although that, that win is one of our, our Higher scoring wins this season I have to say that I thought that Hamilton Aki's performance that night Was the worst of any opposition team Against us so far this season So uh, I'm not sure how much to read into that
1: I would actually I would completely agree with that Yeah, um, they crumbled When when we equalised um, they They're pretty sure they played a bag three that night And we were finding gaps through them with these and that you know for most of that first half you remember uh, Morelos missed an absolute sitter as well Mm. I think I was at 2-1 they just seemed to the minute we equalised they just seemed to crumble which was strange given that we were the team going in having just lost the game to Celtic the whole Kenny Miller situation all the rumours that were kicking about about Pedro you know 1-0 down after a minute we all thought we were going to be the one to uh, to have a nightmare, but they, they just seem to, to crumble that night. And they're a strange team, Hamlin. Actually, in terms of you know how they seem to perform, very very inconsistent.
0: Mm. Which is why you would normally be confident going into this. Rangers, with a couple of decent results in the last few weeks, confidence you would imagine be slightly higher. Uh, it looked it. You know, I have to say in our last match, it looked it uh, that the players had a little bit just just body language, and you know, I don't I don't want to. Uh, it claimed to be an expert. Read into it, but they played with a, 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 a kind of authority that they haven't played with for a while. But as you say, you never know if Hamilton are going to turn up and deliver the performance they did against us that night, or a heroic, you know, backs to the wall, excellent on the break type performance as we saw from them at Ibrox last season. So they are a, a massively unpredictable side. You know, they drew one one at Ibrox last season and lost six 0 It's uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it, which is, of course. I think one of the key things in terms of most players who get to the the Premier League, even in Scotland which isn't the strongest league, have a level of ability. The better ones might not necessarily have hugely more ability than others, but they can show it every week whereas for some people it comes out occasionally and that's why they're at clubs like Hamilton as opposed to maybe being clubs, uh, even in Scotland, like say Hibs or Aberdeen
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you can take there's a player at Hamilton that's spoken about for years and I think many Rangers fans would still want to see him signed and that's Sally Crawford, but mm. you're talking he's he's 26 now. He's never made the move away from Hamilton. He was certainly looked at a few years ago by many clubs, but I think that's he's exactly what you're talking about. He's certainly got ability, but I don't think anyone's ever thought he has the mentality to step up and be that good that consistently. You know, for a for a bigger club, so especially yeah, as Hamilton
0: are a scouted club, you know, because of Maca- uh, McCarthy and because of MacArthur that yeah. they are a club that, that are on even English clubs' radar as having had certainly in the past at least a good development system. So you're right; he, he will have been looked at.
1: Definitely, it was. Yeah, I mean, there was plenty of stories at the time, and obviously, had links to ourselves as well under Warburton because I think he was gonna getting a contract at that point. Um, you know, but but for whatever reason, he's still there. And as I say, he's 26 now. The days are gone where a player would stay in a club in Scotland until about 27, 28, and then make a move to England because you know there's nothing, there's no challenge up here for for a good player, so they're away as quickly as they possibly can. So mm. it's hard to imagine him getting a bigger move anytime soon. Yeah. Um, which then makes you wonder just just what what was the reason? You know, for somebody of his ability, um. Why? Why is he
0: still there? Yeah, well, I, know, I, like, right. I, like I say, I think it's consistency, and we would tend to see him. And you're right about people. And I was one of them a few years ago. Said so maybe worth a punt, but we would only tend to see him in bigger matches when, at times, you know these teams give a little more. And uh, I remember seeing Graham Soonest at the Loudon Tavern discussing that. He one of the things that. Uh, came as a massive shock to him was he would say to Walter Smith after a, a match against Rangers, "Walter, get somebody to scout that boy. He was terrific in midfield today." And Walter would go, "Aye, but wait to see him play next week." And he said, "And it was true that the guy would then not not play that level again up until they played Celtic or Rangers." And uh, <laughs> so that so that is something we we definitely have to be aware of. Come Saturday, from the team perspective, Alex, I can only see there being a slight debate. Um, I, I think the team will be as was I I think the only slight debate is Bruno Alves Um, it was a strong decision by Graham Murtis and he's showing with the Miller and then with that that he's not afraid to make these decisions, do you see him sticking with the same 11 because this is a big game for us because of this magical, mystical three games in a row and it, it's, the longer these things go on then they become things And we really, we will not get a better chance than than this run of fixtures. And you get the monkey off your back and, you know, all talk of it goes and it's nothing to be considered again. Um, But while I would hope it's something that's more in the mind of the fans than it is of the players, they're only human and we we really have to win this match. It's like all Rangers games are big, but I think this one has an extra significance. It does,
1: yeah, um, a little bit because as you say, just that slight you would start to ask some serious questions if you couldn't get over the line in a a game against Hamilton at home to get that third win in a row much the same as everybody asked the same questions when it happened against Kilmarnock um, a few games ago so yeah, in that respect as you say the players need to play with that sort of confidence and arrogance almost that they had against Thistle, mm. you know, uh, that's what I felt. I think you were right earlier when you said they looked a bit more, you know, authority, there was a, uh, just a sort of, like, we're much better than you, here's how we're going to show it, um, about that game, uh, yeah, it takes on that by extra significance, I think Bruno Alves will start though, um, I just think that he's one of those guys that his level of ability, plus probably what we're paying him in wages, Means that if he's fit and ready to go, he plays. And I think it was just uh, last time was just a, you know, didn't have that long with the team etc. kept the team kept the same team together. By this time, a couple of extra weeks, I think he he may just start. There's also the potential that Robbie Mc. Um, sorry, Ross McCrory, not Robbie, Ross McCrory, uh took a bit of a knock for the, the under twenty ones there, so he may be missing anyway, so that would force that change.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, I think that you you try to get your better players into side, and although Bruno Alves maybe hasn't hit the heights that we had hoped so far, I, I still think you play him a fit, and uh, I would agree that would be the change. Now, interestingly, in the last match, uh, and you and I chatted about this, and we have a slight Disagreement on this. Now, Alex and I are the tactical nerds, but we have a slight disagreement on it. And you will be able to hear more of that in the new Heart and Hand subscription service, which launches uh, next month. Where we will have shows that will do things like this, where we take a little point that we're going to discuss now, but we'll expand it. And uh, you don't believe that we play four four two, and no. I think that I think that you're right, but I think ostensibly we were meant to in the last match, and we saw though that Kenny Miller, uh, we saw the other side of him from the one that we saw at Hearts, I thought Miller was, was really, really poor, and because he was poor, he he, he was at times playing as a, an auxiliary midfielder. I think,
1: just looking at the way we've shaped up this season, there was a noise about 4 4 at the start of the season, um, obviously after the the progress debacle and then the the two friendlies we seem to kind of line up that way but but in truth Kenny Miller's never really played aside from the Hearts game at no point has he played a a position where I think he's playing as a a second striker today you know he's he's almost uh, he's almost been asked to be the playmaker you know, to, well, to, no, it's not even so, a number 10 It's even deeper than that again you know?
0: You're correct, I mean the last match He was he was next, a lot of the time He was next to Jason Holt and Ryan Jack And I, I would I, I would have Kenny Miller in the team at the moment Absolutely But I would really seriously not want him as, as you say, as a playmaker Because I just don't think he has Or ever had the ability to do that It's not what he's good at It's not,
1: no, it's not I mean even in the Hearts game where he played well, if you you know we, we spoke about this after the game, if you remember that first kind of ten fifteen minutes, he gave the ball away more than once, killed a couple of cracking chances, and you're thinking, oh man, this is this is a nightmare. And then he grew into the game as it went on and made that great pass for Windass's goal. Yeah, but he's not, you're, you're right, he's not like a consistent playmaker or someone you would have on the pitch and think he's going to create a few chances through you know through his play. He creates chances through his movement and he creates chances. Through you know his intelligence, he doesn't create chances through his touch and his passing. So it's you know it's a it's a strange one to have seen him play so deep all season. I I don't believe that he was asked to play next to Morelos like that and was doing what he wanted all the time. I don't think he would have played as many games under kashinya if he was if he was being blatantly disrespectful to to what he's asking.
0: Well, I, as he did. I know eventually that ended, but. Uh, I think there was more uh, to it though I think you know there, there Psychologically Yeah Kishina I think there were, were more I think he was in the team at times For reasons other than football And then I think he was out of the team at times For reasons other than football So I, I think that um, personalities came into that a lot But I know what you're saying I, I think it's just that Kenny has the seniority And the, if you like the stroke And and has had for, for a while And I, I, I I think it's the, the Wayne Rooney syndrome that when he gets frustrated he hairs off after the ball which you know you can understand but I like him when he's further up because as you say his movement, his work rate and he's he's still got that ability to get into positions and it, even against Hearts you mentioned you're quite correctly that there were a lot of time Morelos dropped a bit deeper um, and created, created Kenny Miller's first goal actually so I, I like the idea of them exchanging if you like that role because I think that causes more problems for defenders Where they don't know which one uh, to go and pick up. So that while they might not be playing in partnership, as it were, um, in the kind of you know McCoy's Hayley style, they are almost a tandem, but switching constantly.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's it, it looked that way to me in the Hearts game. I actually quite like it because I think Morales is, is is actually quite good. When he drops deeper back to go on the tongue, you can find a bit of a pass. And I actually quite like him in that role. Yeah, me too. Um, I just wish we had another version of him in front of him. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, but yeah, to me it seemed as on the hearts game they, they decided for whatever reason, okay, Christoph Berra is going to sit right on you, Alfredo. So you just drag him out and let Kenny play a bit further forward this time. Um, and and it worked obviously. Uh, but I think that's is. It's, I think it may be the only time Kenny's asked, been asked to do that in a season every other time I think he's been asked to drop deeper and I, I think in the Partick Thistle game Murtry's actually asked him to, to kind of drop in and, and, and be that player and I just, I don't think he's I don't think he's just, you know kind of defying instruction I think part of it is his instruction um, it's funny actually I'll mention this and again I've already said Josh Windass is doing better than we think so I'm going to take a more one anyway but I'm going to say this as well. In that role, if you're looking for that person to be an attacking player, like just solely focusing on the attacking side of things, Pena was slightly more effective in that sense alone than Miller. And it was only because Kenny sees it as Kenny sees himself as a forward dropping deep, whereas Pena saw himself as a midfielder getting forward. That's why he was often the one in the box in the end of crosses and things like that. Mm. Whereas Kenny's often miles away for that stuff when it gets in. Um, but you know, I, I, there's no way I could even suggest that Carlos Pena has been doing well uh, as much as as much as I'm uh, of the opinion some of the criticism has been over the top. I'm certainly not going to say he's been doing well either.
0: I think though that's a really good point that the difference between a striker who sees himself as a striker dropping back and a midfielder who sees himself as a midfielder pushing forward, I think that's that's true. But without you know either of us claiming to any inside information, which we're not at the moment, but hand on heart, do you expect to see Carlos Penny in a Rangers jersey again? I don't
1: know. Um if he's not in the bench this Saturday, then no. Given that he was supposed to be at Berwick yeah, and there was no sign of him. Yeah. Um the only Positive reason for that could be that they decided, Oh, we're gonna involve him on Saturday. Let's not take any chances with him given he's been training earlier and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's the only only way I can see that being a positive. If he's not even on the bench in Saturday, that suggests he's done.
0: Yeah, I know, I totally agree with that and oh well we certainly under list manager. You know, that I think was a would be a fair thing, a fair thing to say. Yeah, um, yeah. And just before we go on to to chat about um, the uh, we, the wearying saga of uh, Rangers seeking a manager uh, again, you'd think we'd get used to it after uh, the last couple of seasons, but here we are. And uh, just before I touched on the subscription service, for those of you who maybe didn't hear the previous two pods. Uh, as of next month, we'll be launching uh, a new subscription service that costs you one ninety nine per month. And for that, you'll get a minimum of 20 to 25 hours extra content, including daily updates, shows about Rangers history, season reviews, mat- uh, individual match watch-alongs, all these kind of things. History of jails, we, we, we'll be giving you some great content and we'll be asking you for your ideas, whatever you want to do. Um, uh, one ninety nine a week, you won't even miss it. But for those of you who are like, I'm not paying for this, uh, you will still get your Monday and your Thursday slash Friday podcast for free. The flagship and this will be free, always will be, will never change. So please don't worry about that. But for those of you who like a bit more content on your commute or whatever, then it will be available to you. So uh, And of course, the more people that subscribe, the more money we'll have to then reinvest back into it, so that'll be single video and whatnot, and uh, you, uh, enable us to buy equipment and one thing or another. So, so that's the plan, um, uh, just to, to expand expand the heart and hand university even further. So, managers, uh, the only thing of note. Uh, that happened over the last two weeks was a statement uh, well the only concrete thing obviously there's been rumours every day um, but the only concrete thing I think would be the statement which was released on Friday, last Friday the 10th of November at uh, half five uh, uh, on the official website and I'll just read it in full it was very short for those of you who, who may have missed it The club confirms that since the departure of Pedro Cashinha, it has received numerous applications for the now vacant position and is anticipating further applications by the end of next week, which will be when a lot of you are coming to listen to it. The club will then consider all viable options available to it. At this time, the club has not interviewed any candidate and will take its time to ensure that the best possible decision is made. Now, Alex, I have to be honest that this statement puzzled me because... There wasn't a lot of call for it, as far as I was aware. There wasn't a lot of noise that, if you like, mandated the club had to speak out. And what it essentially said is that we haven't actually done anything yet and we are still hoping someone sends in a, a great CV. I have a feeling that the longer this goes, the less the chances of uh, Derek McInnes, who's been the long, long-quoted favourite, because surely it would be difficult for the board, in terms of credibility, to turn round after eight weeks and appoint the guy who most people felt they could have appointed the day after sacking Kashinia.
1: It would be difficult. Yes, I don't. Um, I don't think it would be wrong, though. Um, I, I've got. Few, I had a few reactions to the statement. Actually, um, firstly. We tend to take these things very, you know, at face value when the club says it. Um, I don't know if everything in that statement is entirely factual. Let's just say that when it says, you know, you know, they're playing the words, of it, but the club haven't interviewed have any candidates yet. Yes, no, exactly. No, but I'll guarantee yes. you, have sounded out more than a few. Correct. Um, you know, so so you know, it did, it did very much give the impression that they've done nothing, which I, I don't believe for a second is a case. Um,
0: secondly. I don't think it completely rules out McInnes because. Oh no, no, I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying that for me, the longer it goes without appointing them, if I'm Derek McInnes, my reading of that is that they think I'm here um, and they can come and get me if they want to, but they're hoping someone better comes along. That would just personally, that's how I would read that if I was in. Potentially, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Potentially, it could. he certainly could actually. I mean, he's getting rather spiky in his press conference. Press he absolutely asked is. about it. Correct. Yes. Um, so, so he could be feeling a little bit of the uh, um, frustration at it as a minimum. I think. Uh, but my, my point was that if, if the club considers everybody, or you know, has a good shortlist in mind, and gives them all due consideration, and then still comes to the conclusion that Derek McInnes is the best candidate, that's actually a better process than let's go and get Derek McInnes straight away, you uh, know?
0: Correct, um, I, can, I can see, I can see I, the argument.
1: You know, and it's, it's how any workplace would, would go, and, and you know that way we always talk about how do these guys keep getting jobs, you know, and you look at somebody like a David Moyes, for example, who's had a, a few horror shows, Steve McLaren seems to always get jobs despite years and years of not really doing it. Now, you know, all these guys, what tends to happen at a club is somebody gets sacked on the Saturday and by the next Wednesday the board have hired someone because to be honest, they've kind of panicked and went, right, who's available right now? Go and get him. Um, and they haven't really done any you know, due diligence and, and they're relying on a bad luck. And, and then so many clubs end up burning their way through three or four managers in a short space of time because they haven't really done any work when they've been replacing them and then eventually they, enough mud sticks on the wall, you know? Mm. Um, I actually don't mind the process. I know that it can still go wrong. People point to how long it took to appoint Cushinia. I uh, you know, the fact that he wasn't the man doesn't mean the process was wrong. Yeah, uh, just, I agree with that.
0: that. It's like the director of football model. Uh, you may have a bad director of football. It doesn't mean that the idea of the position is wrong. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's taken about time, and I think that it would be, it would be good. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't imagine the board are, are unanimous on this. They're not. You know, I'm pretty well. Yeah, you you know um, about myself. I wouldn't imagine it would be, but it's certainly going to get more backing if you let everybody explore their options and then they all come to a decision afterwards and say, well, do you know what? Yeah, Derek McInnes actually is the best man for the job. And even if that takes four or five weeks, you know, it would, it would be a better place than the hiring of Kishinya, which took long enough, but was never really a decision that everybody was involved with, let's be honest. No. Um, and it, would be, it would be a bit better if we could if we'd have a bit more backing for whoever comes in straight away from everybody, you know? Um, I did say there was a few reactions, didn't I? And yes. I feel as on forgetting one of them now.
0: <laughs> was was um, it possibly to do with as I felt, and, and you may totally disagree with us, but I wasn't sure that that statement was entirely aimed at us. Um,
1: actually, yeah, I would agree. Um, for, for fear of um, adding to adding some fuel to certain people's flames, it almost read like James Traynor saying, "Ha ha." you guys are running all these exclusives and not one to use correct.
0: Yes, uh, uh, I thought that. I mean, that to me, it was basically uh, not a harsh interpretation to say it was like, we haven't done anything, so all these stories are bullshit, lol. Um, and like I say, because the statement was unprompted and because it fired up a lot of discussion which wouldn't have taken place had it not gone out, then to me, it... it it wasn't aimed at us, I I don't believe, or wholly. It, I don't believe it was wholly aimed at us. Um, but we yeah, time will tell anyway with that. But yeah. in terms of names that have been mentioned, because uh, one of the things that, that people have considered, and I, I can see the logic behind it, it may, it may totally be true or it may totally not be true, was that perhaps the club were considering international managers and obviously international managers who were engaged in fixtures during this uh, during this international period and probably competitive fixtures names mentioned are Michael O'Neill and Chris Coleman in particular have been mentioned also the Australian coach Ange Posta Kagaloo, I think it is but I've, I've Correct me if I'm. i glad wrong. you said that. Rather yeah, long. correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> names that have been mentioned. Now, I mean, first things first. There's no way they could get away with that Australian guy. The, the board have got to know that. It's not about what you or I or anyone else thinks or anyone who will take the time to go and study. It's your rank and file Rangers fan is not going to accept another name that they have completely never heard of. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Even in, in fact, you would have heard of him, but Michael when you would have been. Or if he has been considered would be a bit of a, a stretch as well just because of his lack of club experience, this guy would have been even more so. Um, because, you know, people would look at him and go, Well, what's what's he even done with Australia? You know, how difficult can that be? Um, so yeah, he would you you can't imagine he would be a serious consideration, surely not, as you say. That would be a a very bold move after yeah. everything that's happened,
0: definitely. It's definitely. I mean my <laughs> Michael O'Neill or Chris Coleman, my problem would not be with them as, as managers per se, right? Because, uh, or as individuals rather, I just don't like the idea of clubs appointing managers based on international success because I just find it far too different a sphere. Um, There's no transfers, there's no day-to-day. Uh, you You get players together every month or... Longer um, for a few days, and you work on them. The argument, I suppose, you could say, is well, they have to be tactically astute, correct, because they have to work with what they have. But I just think it's such a different job with so many much, mo- so many more aspects to it. And uh, you know, I I don't know how much I would trust that that ability can transfer, and. Uh, I I keep thinking back with Michael O'Neill, particular to Laurie Sanchez, who did incredibly well at Northern Ireland, and then had had uh, a pretty undistinguished managerial career. Landed a good job at Fulham, and was you know not that long before he was bounced out of it. And I think it is because it wasn't that Laurie Sanchez, the international manager, was poor. It was just that the the change in culture was was I think too much for him. And that would be my concern with anybody hired from. The international management scene I'm actually trying to think of Trying to think of a manager who
1: made his name Internationally Then went to club level And was considered a success
0: Aye, because it's not like Allardyce for example Who's got this demonstrable track, Or Bobby Robson Yeah,
1: exactly yeah, A it. lot of the guys who, who, who maybe took a spell in international And then came back Had already built up a rep to get that international job In the first place but if you take somebody like, as you say, Lloyd Sanchez is a great example. Yeah, maybe Even if you think more recently a little bit of Slavin Bilic, who made his name internationally, came, back, you know, came into club football with West Ham, done okay for a spell, but now, as we've seen you know, last season, and how he started this season before he got sacked, he didn't sustain it. And it, I, I just can't think off the top of my head, and, and maybe the listeners will be able to uh, point to somebody for me, but I can't think off the top of my head someone who made a name through international management then came into club management and, and, and really took off. It's it's not something I can I can get um, think of pretty
0: easily at all. The only one that's jumping into my mind is Frank Reichard but exceptional circumstances, huge, huge spending club, amazing talent coming through. You're literally a once in a generation batch of talent coming yeah. through. Um and the fact that he's never been quoted since, I think, indicates but that's the only one I can think of. And I just I I just don't like the path. I don't I don't think that the um it, it, I don't think it's as as clear uh and as straightforward as he does well at this, therefore it's the same job. I think the jobs are just too different and I think it would be a wee bit naive to say it isn't. One of the things I, I want to talk to you about is the Graham Murphy previously wasn't looking for the job. This time he is. Not that he'll be you know, gutted and quit if he doesn't get it. He'll happily go back to... Uh, he stated he'll happily go back to his job. He enjoys it. Um, but he has you know made it clear that this time he would be after the job full-time. Now, the board seem quite happy to let him. There are reports that, that he's been told he'll be in charge for at least the next four matches. The board seem to be quite happy to let him... Is it perhaps that they're hoping that he has that 5-6 game run does well well enough that they can say well we have the man in situ and appoint him?
1: They would certainly take that if they were offered it. Um, I think. Yeah. If, if they haven't got an outstanding candidate in mind as they're suggesting um, as is what it seems to be and, and they're looking for for something to come in, or if who they really want just isn't available at the moment, then then I think that, yeah, they probably would just leave Murray in and, and be happy to leave Murray in for as long as his results are going well. It wouldn't take much to turn that, though. Um, in fact, that, that, there you go there. I have remembered what, what my main point was about the statement and our, our manager search. This decision is bigger than this season. Yeah it is Um, And a lot of people Are getting really wound up By the idea of Murray being in charge Of the Aberdeen Doubleheader If If he's in charge Of the Aberdeen Doubleheader But we still get The right man in After that Then You know To me That's That's a job well done It's it's an academic Beforehand If this season Doesn't turn out To be a league winning season We weren't expecting that Anyway So You know um, Getting the right man in Is more important Than than Having somebody In time for, for, For two games Against Aberdeen So Yeah It would All it would take though If they did keep Marty in For those games Is to lose both of those games Yeah And the fans would turn on At big time Um And You know Murtry's a a very likeable guy I have concerns Whenever any caretaker Takes over And goes into the full job I don't think it's something That that leads to much success Very often So You know I, I wouldn't want to see him Get it full time As much as You know He's a great guy And all that But Um yeah, it wouldn't take very much if he did get it full time for the fans to to start questioning the board. Um, it would only take a couple of poor results, and our new manager might not get. I might, you know, might not be under that much pressure if they come in. To be honest,
0: it's uh, it's kind of Craig Shakespeare uh, at Leicester syndrome that sometimes if an unpopular manager who's been overseeing an underperforming squad is replaced, the caretaker sometimes gets a bounce simply by not being the previous guy. And when he becomes the full-time guy, the dynamic changes Um, and players then, you know, their psychology changes on on how they look at him. And I wonder, uh, and that's not to denigrate him, but I just wonder if part of that is what's happened with Murthy in this occasion, that it's been someone that the players did not get on with and uh, most are pretty happy, is no longer there and they played with a freedom that they weren't but then if he became the full-time manager they start to look at him in a different way and we have, as I say with Leicester a, a really very recent example of that process
1: Well, yeah, a really easy example with regards to Murti is that you know he was able to bring Kenny Miller back in um, he had the freedom to do that as a caretaker manager, the decision you know, it was, dead. It was a really easy decision for him and none of the players were going to you know, kick up a fuss about that, despite everything that had reportedly went on. No one was going to complain. If he's in charge ten games from now, and he's playing Danny Wilson over Bruno Alves, for example, uh, it's unlikely that Bruno's going to be too happy about that anymore. Yeah. You know, whereas at the moment he probably thinks to himself, Fuck, "This guy's just going with his team, and I'll be a new manager in a couple of weeks, and I'll show them that I'm the one who should be starting."
0: Yeah, no, you know, absolutely, 10 weeks from now, that's
1: that's, yeah. that's very different.
0: And uh, yeah, I just I th- I think it 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 just changes. So there's so many other factors than simply saying, oh well, he's been doing well, and and it, 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 so many times caretakers come in, do well, get the job, and are gone within a really short short space of time. And then not only have you lost uh, you know a manager, but you've lost a very good and. Uh, an employee that was doing a good job in another area that you were happy with, and you then suddenly have to replace for two positions. So um, there is that aspect. One thing that's puzzled me, Alex, or not puzzled me, but uh, one thing I find very interesting is there isn't that much clamour on the board for the time they're taking. And I wonder if it's a case of almost in this period of limbo it's like Schrodinger's appointment we haven't appointed anyone that the the, the people are unhappy with uh, or or we haven't appointed anyone that they're excited with so at the moment you can still keep dreaming uh, without necessarily having to worry and I wonder if the fans are almost kind of uh because they're fearful, we're all fearful. The board are fearful that they make the wrong decision. That that's helping to prolong this period of kind of interregnum.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's a trepidation about. Uh, obviously, we have just come off the international fortnight, so um, as we do as football fans, that gives us far too much time to think about our club um, without any games to to take our mind off all the other nonsense. So. Yeah, you've got that kind of fear kicking in. You've got the, the the some judgment of the board by some people suggesting that you know they're not doing enough or they're not you know doing their job correctly. A frustration that you know there wasn't a contingency plan in place, which I think is about harsh given Mark Allen's only in the dome and he's heavily involved in this process. But yeah, you're right. But the fact that no one's there yet, it just takes that a little bit of heat off. We don't need to. Uh, judge at the moment we can dream as you say, saying that's always it's always a fun part of being a football fan I'm sorry. Um, we can sit here and, and think Speculate. that you know yeah. Barry McInnes is going to get it anyway but he's going to turn out to be the, the reincarnation of Walter Smith
0: you know <laughs> yeah. uh, it's certainly good for the likes of us you know on, on this show you know I suppose that uh, if it was just a run of the mill match against Hamilton everything was settled this pod would have been about 15 minutes so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's good for the likes of us but yeah I do wonder because um, obviously, you know some people are, are saying, "You know, when's this going to happen? When's this going?" But there's not that clamour and that pressure, and you just don't feel it that you might have expected under normal circumstances. And I think it is; it's because this is such a key decision that the board just cannot get wrong and I felt there was a lot more pressure the last time for example um, to get it done quicker and a lot more, I, I could be wrong I mean people, this is all based just anecdotally and people chant this but I don't get that impression that people are kind of sharpening swords and saying to the board you need to you need to have somebody in place by X although as we get closer to that Aberdeen double I think that that may start to change
1: It may. Uh, I think last time as well you just gotta remember that the first two league results under Murray were defeats. Um and that just hammered home this this supposed lack of leadership and, you know, this rudderless feel. Mm. Um so you have to wonder if if, if you know, somehow we, we don't pick up three points on Saturday, does that then start to, to crank it up? I think it um, would, yeah. I think it would. You know, I think that, you know, Murray done quite well for a couple of games so so that's sort of taking a bit of pressure off everybody, essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. the Hearts game was huge in terms of that, in, in terms of giving the ball this time. I, I think that that was an, an enormous result. Um, Okey-doke. Well, that's uh, all really that's left for us to do then is to uh, give our predictions for Saturday. Alex, what's he you?
1: Um I'm going to go for another 3 now. Actually, a relatively routine game. Um, I think uh, Hamilton will just struggle a little bit and we're playing with a bit more confidence, as you say. 3 now, oh, and uh, Josh Winder has to play well.
0: I am going to be more confident than I usually am and I'm going to say 4-0. I think that I agree with you. I think it will be a routine win and uh, I think that the team are playing with enough confidence and there's enough freshness about the squad that I think that we'll get the job done um, hopefully pretty pretty clinically a um, couple of goals in the first half just to settle the crowd and I, I think that they will go in and do that okay folks uh, that's uh, as I say that's pretty much it for this episode of Heart and Hand all that it means for me to do is to tell you where you can get in touch with us if you want to tweet uh, myself or Alex I'm at, uh, I'm at Ibrox Rocks so it's Heart and Hand account but I'm at at Ibrox Rocks, Alex.
1: I'm at Strider80, or um for the blog site is at Rangers News UK.
0: Always a good time, actually. Give the where give them the the web address as well, where they can find your musings on Rangers. Web
1: address is just simply Rangersnews.uk
0: and uh, you'll find a lot of really interesting content on there, folks, so so please go and give it a look. If you want to chat to us on Facebook also, uh, just search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, and up our page will pop. And uh, we, we do try and get back to everyone, um, so long as they're not um, mental, uh, generally speaking, is, is what we try to do. <laughs> oh, and a wee hello um, from me as well to uh, Scott McKenzie, who uh, is a listener in Salt Lake City. And uh, the reason I say that is that uh, you have absolutely no excuse, Scott, uh, for not coming to NASA next year, which is in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which I'm a convention partner at and uh, very much looking forward to. So, uh, of course, all you other listeners should come along as well uh, and say hi. But uh, in Scott's case, I've known his, his, his dad, Davy, for a number of years now. Uh, a good way for, for you over there, if you know any of the, the Osmonds, by the way, could you get one of them to record something for us? Because that would be great on the YouTube channel, which you should all check out. Um, if you just got YouTube and search Heart and Hand podcast. Up will pop all our videos, all our podcasts, some exclusive content. But uh, thank you so much for, we've had over 100,000 views in the first few weeks, which is just, incredible you, you continue to absolutely blow my mind thankfully only my mind but for the state of my marriage but you guys are just amazing and thank you so much for that so with that i would just like to thank our executive producers in london mr mike lee and miss paul miles thank my guest tonight for a, a this, i thoroughly enjoyed that discussion mr alex staff
1: Cheers, david always a pleasure
0: always my name's david edgar and i will talk to you again on monday cheers bye